Welcome to Locked On Bruins. Alongside Nick Cope, I'm Brian Fenley. Follow us on social media. We've got Twitter. We know you do too. And if you don't, follow us and get yourself a Twitter. Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. The show's Twitter handle reads Locked On Bruins. And the email address to send us anything from critiques to suggestions that is at locked on Bruins at gmail.com this is your team every day and we ask you to please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts the Bruin football team is locking in on Cincinnati Nick and I are going to discuss the upcoming matchup including one position group on the Bearcats that is one of their biggest weaknesses in that UCLA is going to have to exploit. Plus, Nick and I will get into some of the recent news with the Bruins at fall camp. They have just wrapped that up, and some players are coming back injury-wise. They have released their two deep, and they're getting it thin at one position group on defense. So, Nick, why don't we start with what our impressions are of the two deep, which was just released, because there are some position groups, as I mentioned, that don't have the depth that maybe Chip Kelly wants. Yeah, well, first thing that, that you notice is we do potentially have a decision at, at quarterback. Not a surprise, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson listed there first. And the other notable, uh, or perhaps two other notable ones on offense, left tackle, Sean Ryan is listed at the top of, head of Alec Anderson, despite Anderson uh, and Chip Kelly's words, being a quote, full go in practice, uh, based on what the media has been available to see, he doesn't seem, uh, you know, he's doing the conditioning off to the side, although he doesn't have a yellow jersey on. So, again, perhaps some more gamesmanship as we've talked about uh, in the past, Brian. But then on the other, uh, also in the offense, you got Theo Howard is listed uh, behind Jalen Irwin at one of the starting receiver spots. And, and right now he kind of seems up in the air. He's got a splint on his hand. Uh, he doesn't have that yellow jersey on anymore. It kind of seems like this might come to a game-time decision for him. Uh, but what you're alluding to is uh, is inside linebacker, too. Once again, uh, the season hasn't even started, and it's looking pretty thin. That's because uh, Bo Calvert uh, will be unavailable for the foreseeable future. UCLA put out a release earlier today, uh, Sunday that is, uh, that he's been deemed ineligible to participate in games per NCAA rules and will be out indefinitely. He played five games last year and then missed the latter part of the season with a concussion. So now you're looking at five guys that are taking the reps against the scout team. That is, you know, all, all the other linebackers during drills had scout team jerseys on. So there's five inside linebackers there. Chris Barnes, Lokeni Toiloa, who are slotted as the starters. Javari Anderson, uh, Lange Toiloa behind them. And then there's freshman Adam Cohen there. So all of a sudden, you've just got five inside linebackers you're kind of relying on right now. Chip Kelly is going to speak later today, and I'm sure he'll be asked about Bo Calvert. And as you pointed out, a statement came out from the UCLA Athletic Department about him missing time indefinitely per NCAA rules. And I've got a feeling, Nick, that while Chip will be asked about Bo, I don't think he's going to disclose much. He's not going to get particular as to what exactly happened. I don't know if we will ever know exactly what happened. But, you know, we saw last year with Chip 
in his first year, he had to discipline several guys. A ton of guys missed the first couple games. One, you know, two, three guys, one on the offensive line and boss Tagaloa and others as well. And like you mentioned, Nick, the linebacker position, not exactly the depth that they want. You also talk about Tyree Thompson having an injury and he'll be out for the season opener and for an undetermined amount of time. He's a linebacker, has a knee injury. And then Keyshawn Lucier South also is going to be out for a couple games because of academic issues. And, you know, Nick, when I look at the two deep, obviously, you know, in a, in a perfect world, because of all the injuries and because of all the moving and shaking of guys, how they fare in fall camp and how they can improve their position in the eyes of the coach or they can hurt, you know, their stance as far as playing time. But I always think of a two deep is in a coach's perfect world. They, they would really want to release a two deep, you know, and, and they wouldn't want to share their starters until the game actually kicks off because, you know, you try to keep the info about your team as much of it under lock and key. And, and I think it's an advantage if you can, treated as like a guessing game, but you can't really do that necessarily and, and deceive your opponent in that way. But I, I do think that coaches would prefer not disclosing this because, you know, while it helps us and it gives us stuff to talk about, it also allows the opposing team to kind of pick out, oh, so so-and-so is going to start. And if something happens there, then we'll game plan for this guy. And so when I think about coaches and their hesitancy maybe at times to release it too deep. I think about, you know, like let's say you're growing up and you have a sibling and like your parents give you a toy and they tell you, look, uh, you got to share that with so-and-so. And you're like, but mom, I don't want to. Like this is mine. But, you know, it's that it's that sense of like, yeah, you're you kind of egged on to, to share here and to disclose some information. And... With you said, Nick, there were some obvious no-brainers. Dorian Thompson Robinson going to be the starting quarterback and guys along the offensive line. But then there were some mysteries and some surprises that you pointed out. Also, at the tight end spot, where it seemed throughout fall camp that Devin Asiasi was going to be the go-to guy. And he might just be that, but he was going to fill in for Caleb Wilson, who's on to the NFL, but it seems like Jordan Wilson actually is the first stringer when you look at the depth chart at the tight end position. And so that's a little bit of an eye-catching situation where, you know, maybe Jordan Wilson outdid people's expectations or coaches' expectations. He said he's got to work on his blocking, and maybe that's a big part of it. But again, I don't think this is going to limit Devin's playing time because as you know Nick coach Kelly relishes and cherishes the opportunity to to play with multiple tight ends in the game at once yeah and I think I don't believe I, I don't know off the top of my head we didn't get it too deep for most of the games last year definitely sure. the second half of the season we got one at the top and you know I, I don't think it necessarily means a whole lot uh, but it, at least we can kind of see how the depth looks out I mean I wouldn't be shocked if we do see Devin Asiasi out there on the very first offensive play. Yeah. Um, but I guess it does it does help, especially at those wide receiver and tight end positions. At least it potentially establishes a bit of depth there and in a sort of 
pecking order as to where these guys stand um, because those were tight end and wide receiver were two spots where we talked about there's a lot of different guys here who could get some action. And Jordan Wilson, uh, Redshirt Jr., it, I'm really interested to see what he can do this season. And then another guy at a wide receiver spot, Jalen Irwin, in a, potentially here in a starting role then. And we've been talking a lot about him all camp and uh, excited to see him be put in a position to do something. Yeah, and perhaps with Jalen Irwin starting and Theo Howard not, that could be due to the fact that Theo has been dealing with injuries, obviously, throughout fall camp and has played a limited role in fall camp because of that. So, you know, as he acclimates himself back and feels healthier, we might see, you know, uh, Theo and, and Jalen swapping back and forth. And then you got Chase Coda and Demetric Felton, which I love Demetric Felton. I think he's such a versatile receiver and you line up line him up in the slot. I think he brings a lot of speed. He also loves to be a running back, and I don't think he ever wants to give up that. So maybe we see him get involved in some end arounds and just some misdirection stuff. I think there's a lot to see there. Yeah, during medium portions of fall camp, he's been with the running backs a lot. And you know, Chip Kelly says he could play him just about anywhere on the football field, including quarterback. Yeah, so Demetric Felton, he he's had like these moments, not like real consistent sort of production, but will have moments that get you excited. And I have a feeling we're going to see more of those moments this year. No question about it, Nick. And if we might just add that the NFL season is coming up next week, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back. And for the entire regular NFL season, you will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment that'll be a lot of fun and but before the nfl season starts we've got ucla versus cincinnati on thursday we will discuss much about that later on in the program and as we talk about nick big time games in college football beginning to start up its season you think about going to these games right And, and where do you get the seats where do you shop and browse for good deals and I'll tell you, one of the places that I highly recommend, it's called Vivid Seats. It's an online event ticket marketplace where fans can actually get seats to live entertainment and sporting events and such and actually get rewarded for doing so. And and I say that because if you show up and you go to these events through Vivid Seats, you earn credit back on all the purchases made through the Vivid Seats app. And there's a rewards loyalty program. And we're talking about seats to, again, your favorite live events, sporting events, concerts. Nick, you know, probably will get this for Nickelback concert or (laughs) theater, you know, theater. If you want to see some uh, great, the the show Cats or or whatever, Uh, you know, which is Nick, I know you're going to for your next birthday. But the Vivid Seats, it's affordable, great prices. There's a loyalty program, and the the reward statuses, they range from MVP to Hall of Famer, 
and customers can earn from 10% up to 16% credit to all purchases through the app. So the first thing you got to do, I know you've got a lot of apps on your phone, and get the app, download that, look up Vivid Seats in your app database, and you can do that by going to the App Store or Google Play, download it, and you can be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program and enjoy these credits of the rewards. And so we're talking again. You want to go to a football game. You want to go see, you know, uh, sync perform. You want to go to a play. These are great deals all put on by Vivid Seats. And, of course, all confirm orders are backed 100% guarantee. And what Nick and I are excited about is if we enter the promo code, and we ask you to do this as well, you enter the promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout uh, to receive a discount of up to $100. So, again, Vivid Seats, download that app. If you call yourself a sports fan, this is going to allow you to some awesome live entertainment. And not only will you be on hand for spectacular sporting events, but you will also get rewarded for them, which can help you and let you even have more enjoyable experiences through all that the app has to provide. And again, Nick and I are all about the app and we look forward to checking it out and we hope you do soon. And Nick, so speaking of live sporting events, why don't we get into a little bit of the Cincy game? UCLA is at Cincinnati on Thursday. There are a ton of different aspects of the Bearcats that are really potent. I mean, you look at the quarterback. You look at the the committee of running backs. But And you think about all the wide receivers that are coming back from a year ago. And they've got great skill players. But how good are you? without a good offensive line. And Nick, when I look at their offensive line, there is a lot of turnover. And for a position group that is so many times unheralded, there's not really a more important position, especially on offense, than the O-line. And I come to think that Cincy, their biggest problem in this game might be the offensive line because they, they're going to have three new starters. And they even still at this point haven't figured it all out on the O-line, and they've got this battle for this spot at the right tackle position, which I don't think that they have even figured out yet, and they're still weighing their options. And so you go into game week, that's a little disconcerting, I would think, if I'm a Bearcats fan. Yeah, it's the biggest question, no doubt, for this team, and it's it's on both sides of the ball. We've touched on the defensive line, but in the trenches, that's where I'm going to be watching this game. And for the matchup of UCLA's defensive line against Cincinnati's offensive line, you feel like, all right, if UCLA needed to get a pass rush going throughout the offseason and bring it into this season, this is their opportunity here in the first game against the team that graduated the whole left side of the line, including the center. They've switched some things around, so they have a senior who's slotted in there at that left tackle spot, Chris Ferguson. He's mispracticed a little bit lately, so they've had to shift guys around. Those two guys battling for that right tackle spot, Lorenz Metz and Vincent McConnell, 
and one's had to go play left tackle while Ferguson's been out. Uh, presumably Ferguson will be okay to go for Thursday, and we'll see one of those two, uh, both of them underclassmen in that right tackle spot. Um, it didn't, you know, at the beginning of, of last season in that first game, UCLA was able to get pressure on Cincinnati. They had four sacks in that game, and that was a Cincinnati team that had to patchwork their offensive line again last offseason. They graduated a couple really good guys, and as the season went along, they got better and uh, and then had to graduate more guys. So they're kind of in the same boat again here the second year. So there's a great opportunity for UCLA to wreak some havoc. <clears throat> uh, since the offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, was asked – recently during fall camp like what is what is it about this team that keeps you up at night and he said the offensive line so from the the head coach and Luke Fickle down to the offensive coordinator as you pointed out Nick there are several unknowns along the O-line and even we're, we're at Monday and there are still things that the offensive line and the coaching staff for Cincinnati has yet to figure out which is good news for UCLA. And, you know, when you have an offensive line that presents little continuity, well, it's not really easy to get the running game going. And, yes, they've got some great running backs, and we're going to obviously go more in-depth with guys like Michael Warren and company and, and their receivers throughout this week leading up to the game. But I'm telling you, man, this could be really a challenge. And I don't think that Cincinnati fans realize just how big of an issue this could be. Because, yeah, I mean, they, they returned so much on defense and offense. And they were 11-2 and last year. And their quarterback seems to be just continuing to take his game to the next level. But, again, what does all of that matter if the offensive line is not up to speed and it doesn't have the experience working together. We saw, Nick, last year with UCLA, the the side effects of an offensive line that didn't have a lot of experience playing with one another. And once they started to get that game experience, sure, Joshua Kelly got rolling with the running game and things started to open up. But we're talking about the first game of the season for Cincinnati. And if they've got all these new faces out there, it might not be a good recipe for success for the running game. And as we talk about the offensive line coming up, there is one offensive lineman for Cincinnati who was slotted to be in contention for one of these open spots along the O-line for Luke Fickle's Cincinnati Bearcats, but he's run into some trouble with his former school and there's created a ton of rift between his former school and Cincinnati, and right now he's not going to be able to play. His eligibility right now is in purgatory, and we will discuss what this is all about and how this came to be next. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. Nick Cope, Brian Fenley with you. Final segment of the show, and we are beginning to unpack the matchup coming up on Thursday with UCLA taking on Cincinnati. And we discussed in the last segment how much of an uncertainty the offensive line is for the Bearcats. And they've had a lot of guys who they have brought in to, to try and fill some of the voids of their starters from last year that left. They've got three 
new starters on the O-line this year, and one of them competing for those spots was supposed to be a former Michigan transfer, James Hudson. And unfortunately, in his case, he's not been able to get eligible yet. And Hudson even requested immediate eligibility. He had a hardship that he claimed. And, And again, the waiver has not been cleared. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jim Harbaugh admits, and he's said this vehemently and very much with pizzazz, that he did not block this waiver and that he says that he believes that it's not in the coach's hands and that the reason that Hudson is not able to play right now, it's not in the university's hands, it's not in his hands, it's in the NCAA's hands. Now, Cincinnati coach Luke Fickle said, well, well, wait a minute. That's not how it goes. In fact, the school can okay a player leaving and grant them immediate eligibility if they want to. Because if you think about it, look at UCLA, Nick. You know, they wanted Colson Yankoff, the transfer quarterback from Washington, to be eligible immediately. And it was the school. It was Chris Peterson who blocked him. And then you think about Cincinnati. They have brought other transfers from other schools, one from Ohio State, one from Alabama. And after phone conversations with their coaches, they were able to become eligible. Fickle explained his case to Harbaugh on the phone. He called that one of the most awkward and tense phone calls that he's ever been a part of. And here's here's the issue that I have, Nick, with this. Like, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh, you know, is lying or he can't, he hasn't read the rules or he's being like passive aggressive, but it clearly states that the school that the player left from has the opportunity to green light the departed player. And so for him to to berate Luke Fickle and to say, well, actually, it's not up to me. That's a fabrication, if I'm not mistaken, based on the experiences that UCLA has had and Cincinnati has had with other transfers they've brought in. Yeah, it's kind of deja vu to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, right? And it Harbaugh kind of echoing what we heard out of Chris Peterson and both coaches just kind of feigning ignorance. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't, I don't know anything about that. We, <laughs> it, yeah, let the NCAA deal with it when, you know, who knows what went on behind there. If coach yeah. was hurt by a player leaving and, and this is a way to get back, you know, there's all kinds of different routes sure. that you could speculate and, um, you know, certainly, there's no rule saying they have to grant their release, but yeah. especially this case is even a little funny is not the right word, but just a little more ridiculous when you consider that, all right, Cincinnati and Michigan aren't even in the same conference. You know, yeah. UCLA wasn't playing Washington. Maybe they play in the Pac-12 championship game. Like, okay. But Michigan and Cincinnati, they're not, they're not playing each other this year. Come on now. Uh, yeah. So that was, yeah, a little silly, uh, but you know, some coaches just 
I'm not surprised that I guess th- that that phone call between Jim Harbaugh and Luke Fickle was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, by the way, I want your kid. And can you just like sign off on him like right now, please? Yeah. Um. So yeah, about that. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I I I agree. I agree, Nick. It's it, it's really something that you know you can read about the the conflict between the coaches, but in the end, I think you just feel sorry for the kid because he's kind of a victim of you know, one's maybe passive aggressive behavior. Again, there's many more layers to this that we probably don't have any information on, but you feel, you feel for the kid here because there's nothing he can do at the moment and he can't get eligible. So, and again, I don't know if this is, this is Jim just being upset that, you know, he hasn't beaten Ohio state yet. And this is his way of, you know, releasing his anger, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, you don't want to see that. From from a kid's perspective, like, you just want to see him get the best chance. And, like, and, and you don't have to be a fan of the school to, to say that. I, that's what I believe, man. Like, you know, college only lasts so long, and you want the kids to be in positions where they want to be. And let's just understand that they're still young and they're still learning, and maybe they're not as mature as the coaches want, but that's just growing up and that's living and that's finding where you want to be based on, you know, experiences you've had before and, and, you know, learning from your mistakes. So we'll, we'll see, man, but we have, you know, obviously plenty of more, you know, discussion on this upcoming matchup. And speaking of that, Later today, Chip Kelly will meet with the media for the final time before the kickoff against Cincinnati. And, of course, we, Nick and I, tomorrow will be able to break down everything he said. Did he discuss Bo Calvert and the the inability for him to play from a statement that the school released to... Another topic that I know Nick and I want to get into is Cincinnati's defense and where they are most vulnerable. They're very good, but there's one part of their defense that UCLA will look to exploit. Nick and I will talk about what that is tomorrow. We hope you have a great Monday. Stay with us for plenty more breakdown as we lead up to the UCLA-Cincinnati game. For Nick Cope, I'm Brian Fenley. You are Locked On Bruins, your team every day.